My name is Rocky, and I have the privilege today of helping you guys understand that God's work is continuing here in this church. And we just thank you, O Heavenly Father, for the fact that you have ushered us into your kingdom today. And also that uh, he's brought us uh, someone who's going to continue that process. Anybody ready to hear from the Lord again? With a fresh word. I'm going to introduce uh, Pastor Moore, and um, I'm going to read because I don't know much about him except for the fact that he comes highly recommended. And his high recommendation comes from the fact that he's a good friend of our pastor, which is a blessing. But even more so than that, he's a man of the cross. And that's the only recommendation we really need. Praise God. Currently, Pastor Jody Moore serves as a senior pastor in teaching uh, and teaching pastor at Praise Tabernacle Bible Church in the city of Chino, California. That's in Southern California. He is, uh, he's married and has a family. Looks like he has a, a, a lovely wife and three daughters. Way to go. I have four daughters. Keep one more. One more. <laughs> but he, it's a blessing because he's uh, studied a lot and has a, a few degrees that I won't even go over here. I'm most interested in the fact that he loves the Lord and we're most interested in the fact that we like to welcome anybody that likes to come to this church and show us what God has to say to us. Welcome, Mr. Pastor Moore. Okay. Well, thank you for that welcome and thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for that applause. But. And I appreciate it. But let's just take the next 30 seconds and really just give praise to our God. Amen. Come on, put your hands together and praise him. Oh, you can do better than that. That's a nice little patty cake. But I want you to praise God, the father who created us. Come on and praise God, the son who died and gave his life for us. Rescued us from sin our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords, who is currently right now sitting on the throne in charge, making intercession for us. Now come on and praise him, for praise God the Holy Spirit who indwells us and teaches us how to praise God the Father and God the Son. Come on and praise Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's worthy, he's worthy. Are there about 20 people who will say that he's been good? Well, come on and worship him in this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I come and greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I bear witness this morning that there is no name above that name on earth nor in heaven, and it is at that name that every knee is going to bow, amen, and confess that he is Lord. I am truly honored to be with you on this morning. I'm so very grateful to not just be in this church, but it is truly an honor to stand in the pulpit that is occupied by not only my closest friend, but probably one of the best preachers of this generation. 
in this nation. And we ought to give God praise. No, no, come on and praise God for the gift that Brian C. Loritz is to the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. I praise God for my brother. We've been friends now close to 18 years. He is the God brother of my wife. I just celebrated 17 years of marriage on this past Sunday. Amen. My beautiful bride. And so I am grateful for many years of friendship. The Bible says there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Your pastor is that friend to me. And I am so grateful. I, I praise God for his lovely wife and I honor Corey Loritz. God bless you. This is my sister. Love her. To all of the leaders, Pastor Eric, thank you so much for your hospitality. Uh, to all the pastors, amen. All the pastors, the leadership, and the elders, thank you so much for receiving me. And to you, the members of this wonderful community, please know that you are in my prayers. Please know, please know that your pastor, this church, you are written in my prayer journal, amen. So you have someone down there in Chino, or is it up there? You have somewhere up there, down there, somewhere in California praying for you on a daily basis. Amen? Meet me in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, let me tell you right up front, it's a lot to unpack here, and I'm not going to be able to unpack it all. Uh, I, I, I am here in my brother's house, my brother's pulpit, and I know that I've got a time limit. I won't preach here like I preach at my own church, which is about 50 minutes to an hour. You don't have to worry about that. Amen. And I get it. I'm a guest. I get it. I get it. There's a lot to unpack here. I'm going to unpack as much as I can, but I believe that there is a word from the Lord on this day for this church in this season. Amen. Let's to the, look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we bless your name. I thank you for the privilege to be here behind this sacred desk in front of these, your people, to declare your word. Not my word about your word, but to declare your word. Have your way in this house. Holy Spirit, move in a unique and transformative way. I pray, Lord God, that when we leave this place, when we leave this assembly, that we would never be the same. I pray, Lord God, that you would move up and down each row, each seat, touch each and every heart. Have your way, transform our lives, change our way of thinking, change our way of seeing things, change our way of living, change our way of loving. Be a very, pre Lord God, be a very present help to someone in this house right now who may be in a time of trouble. Speak clearly to us through your word. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise, all the glory. And all the honor for you alone are worthy. Let all of God's children say amen. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to focus on verse 17, but I want to give a little background before we drop down there. This particular letter of Paul is written as an apologetic concerning his apostolic office. In other words, if you read through 2 Corinthians, it is Paul spending quite a bit of time defending his office as an apostle. There's been some drama in this church. He addresses it in 1 Corinthians. Drama. Because of carnality. Schisms. Division within the body. There is egregious sin that's taken place in this church. In that in chapter four, four, chapter five of First Corinthians, we learn that a man has been sleeping with his stepmother. There's been mess in this church, division and schism around personalities. I like Paul. I like Apollos. I don't care about any of them. I'm all about Jesus. There's, there's personality conflicts in this ministry. And so Paul, having planted this church, and by the way, Corinthians being the longest church that he spent time pastoring after he planted it, after he left, mess took place. Matter of fact, he says in 1 Corinthians, some folk from Chloe's house told me how you've been acting how you've been behaving and how you've been acting a fool in the church that I started that we built for the glory of God. So Paul, he's had to confront some behavior in the house and in the house and in confronting that behavior, there's a group of leaders that rose up against him and for the most part divided the church and, 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 and some some discounted Paul's apostolic call and, and some even discounted him as a shepherd. And this group of leaders turned the church against Paul. And so Paul writes another letter, a letter that is called the tearful letter. He mentions it in 2 Corinthians. We have no, no record. We don't have that actual, actual letter. But it, he mentions it in 2 Corinthians where he pleads with them, where he pleads with them to repent. He pleads with them to come together and not be divided. So we now have 2 Corinthians, which technically is 3 Corinthians because he wrote a letter that we don't have called the tearful letter, called the letter of anguish, where he calls them to repentance. We don't have record of that letter, so we call this 2 Corinthians, but actually this is 3 Corinthians. And here in 2 Corinthians, he begins to make a defense of his right to speak into their lives. By this time, 
The rebellion has been squashed. For the most part, the church is coming back together. The church is beginning to heal. There's still a small faction in the church causing some trouble. But on the whole, the church is on the men's and there is reconciliation taking place. So 2 Corinthians is not only Paul's letter of apostolic defense, but it is also a letter confirming reconciliation and restoration of the relationship. In chapter 11, Paul has been sharing his perspective on what he has gone through. And then in chapter 12, he points to the afterlife. The beginning of chapter 12, he points to the afterlife and he begins to wrestle with the temporary nature of our current existence versus the future state when we will occupy a building not made with hands. He says, for we know that if this earthly tent, which is our earthly home, is destroyed, we have another building from God not made with hands eternal in the heavens. Amen? That's our hope. Then he goes on in chapter 12 to describe this Love Jones affair that he has with Christ because he says, when I think about the fact that Jesus Christ died and gave his life for me, it causes me to determine within myself that I'm no longer going to live for myself, but I'm going to live for the one who died for me. He says, I've come under the control of the love of Christ. In my culture, we call it the love Jones. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you do. It's in other words, when you're so in love with somebody that your whole attitude, your whole behavior changes. Someone know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Oh Lord, have mercy. Anybody know what I'm talking about when you've been so in love with somebody? That the person that you are in love with, they, they, their very presence has caused a change in you. Paul says, I am under the control of Christ. And when I think about his sacrifice to me, it makes me want to live for him. Amen? So here's the theme in chapter, chapter 5. Watch this, chapter 5. I'm sorry, this, I've been talking about chapter 5. I said chapter 12, that was a mistake. Chapter 5 here. Chapter 5 is all about change. Change from the temporary tent to the permanent building. And change from a self-serving love to a love that causes us to live for Christ. Somebody say change. Now we get to the apex of this entire letter. Because not only is there going to be a change from temporary to permanent. Not only is there a change in our perspective around who we love, but now he talks about a change in personhood. Look at verse 17. You all know the passage, very familiar when he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In other words, beloved, the reality of our life in Christ 
is a true and definitive change within our personhood. Anyone be in Christ Jesus is what? A new creation. In other words, in other words, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've repented of your sins, you believe the gospel that he died on the cross as payment for your sin, he was buried, and on the third day he rose from the dead, you've embraced that gospel truth, You've asked him to not just be your savior, but you've asked him to be your Lord, which means he has the right to rule your life. He has the right to command your life. You've asked him to come in. You've made Jesus your own. You've placed your faith in him. You are now in Christ. That's Paul's favorite theme. He speaks of our union with him. You are in Christ. Anyone be in Christ Jesus. That's Paul's theme that we have been united with Christ. If your name is in the book of life, then you are currently seated what? With Christ in heavenly places above all principalities and above all powers. Amen? You have died with Christ. You've been buried with Christ and you rose with Christ. He speaks of our union with Christ. So if your name is in the book of life, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Anyone in Christ Jesus is what? A new creation. A new creature. Paul explains a fact of reality for those in Christ. In other words, they're new creations, the old has passed away and the new has come. If you are saved and have truly responded to the gospel and placed your faith in Christ, then you at this very moment are a new creature in Christ Jesus. That is a statement of fact. Let me tell you something. You are not becoming a new creature. You are at this very moment a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul makes two qualifying statements to of major significance here. First, he says that for this new creation, the old has passed away. Am I in the text? He says the old has passed away. The second thing he says, the new has come. Let's do some work here. When he says that the old has passed away, in the Greek language, that has passed is in the aorist tense of the verb. Anytime you have a word, beloved, in the aorist tense of the verb, it speaks of action that takes place one time in the past. A completed, watch this, aorist tense, a completed action that takes place one time in the past. So here lies the point. Your old self, who you were before you got saved, your old worldview, your old nature is not passing away. It is a completed act. It means that it's already done. You ain't hear me in this house. It, it, the old you has passed 
away. Error is tense. It's not, watch this, watch this. It's not passing away today. Y'all ain't hearing me in this house. It, it's not passing away as I speak. If you gave your life to Jesus Christ, it is done. Baby, it's a wrap. It has happened. Past tense, heiress, completed action. It's done. It's gone. It's happened already. For me, for me, beloved, it would be when I was nine years old, sitting in a Sunday school classroom at a small United Methodist church in Compton, California, headed down the wrong path. The Sunday school teacher dismissed the class to go into church service, but kept me behind. All my life, teachers have kept me in class for it. <laughs> I've been in detention. Anybody ever been in detention? How do you go to detention in church? I've been in detention all my life. The Sunday school teacher keeps me because he sees that I'm heading down the wrong path. I'm heading in the wrong direction. And he shares the gospel with me. His name is Ronald Lowe. I just dedicated my, my latest book to him as my, what I would call my father in the gospel. Because he shared the gospel with me. And at nine years old, he led me to Christ. Are y'all with me in this house today? I'm 47. I'll be 47 in October. At nine years old, he led me to Christ. That's over 39 years ago. So watch this. On that Sunday, I feel it, y'all. 39 years ago, my past was wiped away. Y'all didn't hear me in this house. It's a wrap. Now watch this. Paul then goes on to say, I'm going to link this up. Paul says that the new has come. Now watch this. This, the new has come, is in the Greek perfect tense. Old, passed away. Greek aorist tense. Done action in the past. One time completed act. Now watch this. The new has come. This is in what we call the Greek perfect tense. Little slight difference with the perfect than with the errors. With the errors tense, it's action that took place one time, completed act in the past. He says the new has come. This is in the Greek perfect tense. Watch this. Which still speaks of completed action that took place in the past. But unlike the errors tense, this completed action that took place in the past has continuing ongoing effects. I feel it, y'all. In your life. Y'all ain't hear me in this house. The old has passed away. Error is tense. Completed action in the past is over with. It's done. Somebody said it's a wrap. It's a wrap. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. Now he says the new has what? Come, this is in the Greek perfect tense, still action that took place in the past, 
but it has continuing effects. In other words, that thing which took place to me, with me at nine years old in that stuffy Sunday school classroom with no air conditioning, 39 years later, as I stand here today, that action that took place then still has an effect and you're looking at somebody that still has the new happening in his life. The new has come. In other words, watch this. This newness that has been inaugurated in my life through Christ took place in that Sunday school room at age nine. However, the transformation into that newness continues for me right now at age 47. In other words, in other words, the same potency of the new birth is still with me 38 years later. The past is gone, but the newness, the newness of the life of Christ within me is still at work. And I'm going to tell you something, y'all. 30 years from today, I don't care how old I am, there will still be something new happening in my life because of what took place at age nine. So the bottom line right now, watch this. For the believer in Christ, you are not what you were. Did you hear what I said? For the believer in Christ, you're not what you were. But you have become all that Christ would have you in him. The things of your former life gone. Your old worldview, how you see things, we'll come back to that in a minute. It's gone. And the new has already come to you. Verse 18 says, verse 18a says, all this is from God. All this is from God. In other words, this is a supernatural transaction that you or not, or you nor I had anything to do with. That's why there can be no boasting. You ain't hearing me in this house. I stand right now before you a new creature in Christ Jesus and I had two things to do with it little and nothing this is a work of God it is a transaction that took place because of God's love in my life it's God's work and action in your life at the time that you placed your faith in Jesus Christ now herein lies my dilemma May not be your dilemma. I, I, I'm talking about me. I, 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 this is me. You may not have this issue. You sit up under my friend, Pastor Loretz. You won't have this issue. I, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about me. Here, here is my dilemma, beloved. I am forced to live in the tension of the already not yetness of this reality. Y'all better hear me in this house today. This is not your, I'm talking about me. This is me. Old passed away. I am right now, currently, a new creation, a new creature. I received a new personhood. 38 years ago in a Sunday school classroom. 
And at 47, I live in the tension of the already not yetness of that reality. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm saved 38 years ago at age nine. At that time, I made a new creation. I made a new creature in Christ. It's not a partial work. It's a completed act done by God. My old life at that moment is done away with. It's a completed act done by God. I'm not becoming a new creation. I am right now, September 11th, this very moment, a new creature. Y'all ain't hearing me in this house. It's done. It's complete. I stand before you a new person. I stand before you a redeemed person. It's done. A completed act by God. My former life and existence is not passing away. According to the word of God, it's gone. God did it. We have a, in Facebook, anybody big on Facebook? Don't show you because I know you don't want people to know. I'm a big Facebooker. In Facebook, in Facebook, you have this thing that you can post where you call it your current situation. So if, 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 you, if you're down at the Ritz-Carlton, Half Moon Bay, hanging out at the bar, drinking a virgin margarita, you would post a virgin mojito you would post on Facebook, this is what? My what? Current situation. You'd put the place, Rich Carlton, Half Moon Bay, may have a picture with you and your, your road dog, your friend. You'd have a picture of the virgin mojito in your hand and you would post my current situation. In other words, I'm not driving there, I'm there. I'm not on my way to the Ritz. I'm already there enjoying what I came there to do. If you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you better hear me in this house. You are not on your way to salvation. You are right, y'all ain't praying on me in this house. Your current situation is that you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Your current situation is that you are currently seated with Christ far above principalities and powers. Your current situation is that you have the peace of God ruling your heart. I'm not on my way there. I am there. It is my current situation. Here's my dilemma. The already not yetness of this situation. What do you mean, Pastor? You keep saying already not yetness. Well, here's the Houston, we have a problem. Because I, and I'm talking about me here, this is me, it's not you. I'm saved at age nine, new creation, 
have not always lived <laughs> or behaved like the new person. Y'all ain't praying with me in this house. That I've become since I was nine years old. I have lived out what was no longer a reality for me. Because you all clapped and approved when I said the old has passed away. Y'all ain't helping me in this house. Error is tense. Y'all were like, we well, knows the Greek. Oh, Lord. Hey, you know, error is tense. Passed away. It's done. You clapped on that. That is the reality. That is the truth. That is a theological and biblical truth, but I've come to give you another personal truth. And that is, albeit that is the reality that took place over 38 years ago, I have not always lived it out. Because when I keep sinning and doing that which is no longer I, then I'm living out of a past that is no longer my current situation. Y'all ain't hearing me. In my former, if, listen, if my former life has passed away and is done, then every time I live out and behave according to that old way of life, I'm living from a place that is no longer mine to live from because God has taken that former life away from me. So when I behave according to the flesh, I keep holding on to a life that God has done away with. And so if the truth be told, when I sin, I'm living a fake life. Y'all ain't helping Because it's no longer who I am in Christ. Don't you understand, beloved, that when you act a fool as a Christian, that you have to actually become something that you no longer are? Y'all ain't helping me. When you gossip, when you are contentious, when you lie, When you have sex outside of marriage, when you're puffed up with pride, it forces you to become something that you are no longer. The old has passed away and all of the things associated with that old man and that old nature is passed and is done away with. Don't you understand, beloved, that when you let stuff come out of your mouth that is ungodly, rude, and nasty, you're actually being someone that God has done away with. I became a brand new person at 38 years ago. But my problem is that often in life I refuse to act out in the natural, the transaction that took place in the spirit realm. Oh, I, I'm a... I'm a big Martin Lawrence fan. I only got a few minutes here. I love, used to, anybody used to love the show? Anybody watch the show? My end, my end. Yo, okay, he got it. My end. There's a particular episode, particular episode 
where Martin wins the lottery. You, you remember that? He wins the lottery. <laughs> now, Martin don't have money the first in the bank. All he has is that little piece of lotto paper. You know what I'm talking about? And with that paper that declared him a winner, without any money in the bank, no lotto check, he goes out and he buys everything. He starts buying his friends' cars. He writes checks with no money in the bank. Knowing that it'll bounce. Only later to find that he was one of about 300 other, men, uh, other winners. And he got about what? $50 a year from the lotto. Where are you going with this, Pastor? Our biggest problem, beloved, listen, our biggest problem, my biggest problem, not yours, my biggest problem, is on that day in that Sunday school classroom. I received a new ticket in life. But unlike Martin, I didn't go out acting like I had won the lotto. I still lived a sinful, poverty-stricken life. You ain't hear me in this house. I've come by to tell you Lord, help me. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, God has given you something new. You are no longer what you used to be. And I know there's a tension there because I'm calling on you to live like you won the lotto even when there's no money in the bank. I'm calling on you to walk by faith and not by sight. But here's the deal. I love it, y'all. Where Martin had zero dollars in the bank, God has given us the Holy Ghost as a deposit and a guarantee. And it is the person of the Holy Spirit who helps us live in the tension of, I'm still in this sinful flesh, yet I am a new creation. It is the Holy Spirit when I lean on him, when I'm dependent on him, when I rest in him, when I trust in him, when I yield on him. It is the Holy Spirit that leads and directs me and teaches me how to live a new creature life in a fallen flesh. In other words, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It is my life in the spirit. So now where Jody Moore struggles with patience in his flesh when I lean in 
and yield myself to the Spirit. He bears the fruit of patience in my life. There are times, beloved, when my back is up against the wall. Stuff's going crazy in my house. Looking at the bills piling up. I don't feel like having joy. Am I the only one? Kids acting crazy. Y'all don't have any of those. Church acting crazy. Y'all ain't none of those. But it's right then when in my flesh I want to give up. In my flesh, I want to go off. In my flesh, I want to get angry. In my flesh, I want to do a side eye. It's right then that the spirit who lives inside of me directs me to the word of God where he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Be anxious for nothing but by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Make your request unto God and the God of all God. He will give you a peace that will pass, surpass all understanding to guard your heart and to guard your mind. As long as we're here, we're going to live in the tension. But I've come by to tell you, there's a new you. There's a new you. And in those moments, when you're acting out of character, in those moments, when you're acting in a way that is antithetical to the word of God, in those moments, when your flesh is popping like popcorn, My God. And you're living in the tension. In the moment, you feel yourself drifting. Be reminded that it's nothing but the enemy calling you to be something that you no longer are. Y'all ain't helping me in this house. Y'all ain't praying in this house. The call on my life is to be my authentic self. And my authentic self is when I live the life that God has called me to live. And empowered me to live because I am now a new creation. Y'all, listen, listen. I got to sit down. I'm over time. Listen. I would have some sort of excuse, Corey, if it wasn't the perfect tense. Matter of fact, if it was the imperfect tense of the Greek, it would mean ongoing work. In other words, he's making me into a new creation. Oh, no, 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 no. 
It's done. <laughs> That's where I'm in trouble. This is the perfect. It's done. It's done. My life now has to catch up. My behavior has to catch up. My mouth has to catch up. The way I treat my wife now has to catch up. Are y'all with me in this house? How I handle my finances now has to catch up to who I became 38 years ago in that Sunday school classroom. Father, I thank you. I praise you. I glorify you for the reality that I am now a new creation in Christ. My union with Christ has rendered a transaction in the spirit realm that has totally transformed me, regenerated me, and made me a new person. But Lord God, I confess that I still struggle to catch up with who you made me and what you did 38 years ago. That's my struggle, Lord. That's, that's, that's what I wrestle with. I, I live in the tension of what you did in that Sunday school classroom. How I behaved. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would work in us its transformative power in our life. I pray for sanctification, Lord God that we would be cleansed in our mind, cleansed in our hearts. Oh, that the blood of Jesus Christ that never loses his power would do its cleansing work on our minds, on our hearts, with our thoughts, with our attitude. Oh, in the name of Jesus, I pray that we would forever be tethered to the transforming cross of Calvary and that we would live out the resurrected new of who we are in Christ. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all.